welcome back to the Minute Women podcast. My name is Grace. And I'm Linnea. And we're back for our third episode of Have You Got a Minute? Yeah, Have You Got a Minute? Have you been listening to our Have You Got a Minute? Um, we've had some really good interaction and people enjoying them. I think it's definitely my family's. It's their personal favorite um, kind of thing that we've done just because they think that our chemistry is really fun and they like to hear <laughs> us talk to each other. Yeah, no, we've had a lot of people like reach out for the Have You Got a Minute specifically, which is great. We love that. So, yeah. And that's kind of the purpose of doing them. So please reach exactly. out. And people love particularly have... loved Come From Away. We had a yes. lot of response from Come From Away. Y'all are musical yes. fans. I knew it. <laughs> History buffs and musical fans. Like, I feel like that's like a very, I feel like those two go together. Yeah, I think that's a pretty safe crossover for a lot of yeah. people <laughs> yeah for sure we had someone reach out on twitter and they told us that come from away is being recorded for streaming services that's going to be distributed in the fall Ooh, like hamilton was yeah so i don't know oh, what like cool. streaming surface it's going to be on yeah i love that i i'm a big fan of just like the stage production being like recorded and then presented for people to watch. Like, I mean, we can't just pop over to New York, especially not right now and watch (laughs) something on Broadway or Toronto or like London. Like we don't really, I mean, Nova Scotia specifically has Neptune, but like you don't really see those kind of big trending plays there Mm -hmm. um, through, through the year, kind of when they're kind of when they're really big in their prime. And we usually have to wait till the movie comes out and then the movie's never the same as like a stage production. So yeah, there's something really nice about watching it on stage. It's almost like it was meant for stage and that's how it's crazy (laughs) it's crazy um it also just seems more natural that people would break out into song on stage versus in a movie 100 percent. i don't know why when it's live action like a cartoon like you get away with it you're like oh we're breaking out into song like it's a cartoon like whatever but yeah i'm talking about that and we will get back into these lovely twitter uh twitter subscribers who have gotten back to us but Dear Evan Hansen is a very popular musical. That is Linnea's favorite. Her man, Ben Platt. <sighs> it is, but they're making it into a movie. Are you nervous? I am, because <laughs> it, I don't think it's a musical. Oh. However, they have they also have cast Ben Platt as the lead role, okay. and he's 27 now, and he's playing a 16-year-old. Now, I will say he's a young-looking gentleman, yeah. But uh, I'm just a little, I'm a little uneasy. A little I've been skeptical. reading into it. You can't really the the trailer that they released. It's very hard to tell if it is indeed a musical or if it is just like a a regular movie. Right. So we'll see. I am I'm reserving the right to not like it and be disappointed, but I will. <laughs> As a I true will watch fan. it. I will watch it. So um, I know nothing about that musical. The only thing I know about it is that Ben Platt <laughs> is in it. And I only know uh-huh. that because Linnea is in absolute love with Ben Platt. I love him. So what is the I plot of, of Dear Evan Hansen? Oh, oh Dear Evan Hansen is, is really sweet and sad. Um, basically, the premise of the story is that there's Ben Platt and then there's another guy named Connor. And Ben Platt is kind of a nerd he's he, he'd be like he he's kind of like brian from the breakfast club okay. is my best like description he's like a sad nerd 
um like not thriving in his nerdiness um a bit of a loner a bit of a loser um and just like not a super great family life um not no no dad in the picture basically like great supportive mom but just uh some complications there and he's feeling pretty sad and pretty low and then there's connor and connor is a bully uh a popular bully who is also you know surprisingly on the inside feeling some of that loneliness okay uh which is you know surprising because they're two very different guys they come from very different social circles and kind of the premise of the story is that and i don't want to give too much away but ben platt's character uh is going to therapy and his name is evan hansen and he his therapist recommends writing letters to himself Oh, um, okay. So writing, Dear Evan Hansen, and saying, like, I hope you have a good day. Like, I hope you feel better. Uh, he prints one of these letters at school, and Connor finds it. And Connor, as a bully, takes it and won't give it back. And so Ben is upset by this. But not coincidentally, but kind of sadly, uh, Connor actually takes his own life that day. Uh, but has this letter, Dear Evan Hansen, on him. So when his when Connor's parents find it, they think Connor wrote this letter to this boy Evan Hansen. Right. And then they thought, you know, Connor didn't have any friends. He has Evan. So then Evan Hansen, who who was a loser, builds up this whole story about how he and Connor had this secret friendship and how they were friends and how they cared about each other. And it kind of gives everybody this, you know, peace to hold on to. And this kind of, you know, you're not alone. And so it's this whole, however, it's all built on a facade. So I don't want to give too much away. So that's kind of where the the play kind of starts. And then it it goes through the motions of that. So it is definitely a coming of age story about um, kind of mental health and and especially young men being vulnerable and sharing their feelings. Right. But uh beautiful musical very very sad but also very happy moments and and yeah it's it's got ben platinum and he's uh he's a little angel <laughs> yeah no i no that's really interesting i'd never really heard what the plot was but that's a really yeah. intriguing story yeah and kind of the whole the if you see any of the um the images for the Broadway musical, it's it's a it's a casted arm. Yeah. And it's because Ben Platt's character, he has an accident and gets a cast. And the day that Connor takes his letter, Connor writes his name on his cast. He's like, now this way, he's like, it can look like we both have friends. Ooh. And that's kind of their only interaction. Right. Um, and so then, you know, his parents see that, you know, that Evan Hansen has their son's name on his arm and, and their son had this letter that was typed right. to him. And, and it kind so. of almost gives, like, Evan permission in some way. Exactly. Because he's just like, now it looks like we both have friends. like Right? And so it gives him that kind of permission to be like, well, this is what he wanted. So anyway, it is – it's a very, very well-done musical. Um, if you ever watch the show The Politician – uh, which is another Ben Platt piece himself and uh, Laura uh, Dreyfus. She uh, played one of the characters in the Dear Evan Hansen Broadway musical. Um, oh, okay. And so they're both in The Politician and both uh, were in the original Broadway production. So there's been a couple Evan Hansen since Ben Platt, but he was the first. Right, so. right. Oh, that's cool. Yep. Is it still running? 
Yes. Yeah. Dear Evan Hansen is still running on Broadway right cool. now. If currently. we ever go to New York, we'll have to go see uh, <laughs> if, Dear Evan Hansen. If this pandemic ever ends. If this pandemic um, ever ends. See it. I mean, in other news, pandemic related, we both got uh, shots booked. Yeah. It's super shots. exciting. Let's shot. I'm so excited. Shots. Shots. It has shots. a whole shots. new meaning. <laughs> it really does. Um, and it is funny, too. I was talking about this with my parents because this is the first real, like, millennial generation to be getting vaccines i said mm-hmm. social media is gonna blow up like oh, the week I that we all start so getting our many, shots i got vaxxed fucking stories yeah. it's ridiculous yeah yeah it is it's gonna be this is where it all blows up on social media so <laughs> so we heard from another listener on the musical front and so we mentioned in our first episode of have you got a minute that if there are any heritage minute related musicals then like tell us about them and her name is oriana and she says that she's been listening for a very long time and she listens to the episodes with her boyfriend in the car which i think is really really cute that's adorable (laughs) so hello um she pointed us to two music well first of all she says that uh in the original come from away they used live trees in the set design which is crazy that's so cool it's so extra for no reason. It's so extra. <laughs> but so Newfoundland. So Newfoundland. Um, but the trees also, are a character. <laughs> it's just the like the tree from Pocahontas. It's a character. Yes. Oh, play. Mother Willow. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> she directed us to two musicals that have been produced by the Vancouver production company called Urban Inc., and they're not specifically about Heritage Minute topics, but they're very, like, history-themed uh, musicals. And so, so cool. the first one they put out was in 2017. It's called Children of God, and it's a musical about the residential school system. Wow. Yeah, and it seems like it was really powerful. They wound up taking it on tour all across Canada. It's this musical about a OG Cree family whose children were taken away to a residential school in Northern Ontario. And it's the story of how Rita, the mother, was never let past the school gates and her kids, Tom and Julia, never knew that she came. So it's about, I think it's largely told in almost flashbacks, but I think it's about obviously the trauma of residential schools and then the trauma and trying to rebuild the trust of a family unit because from the kid's perspective, the mom never came to get them when in reality she did, she tried, but she could never get past the front doors of the school. And then they, they followed up that with Les Filles du Bois, so... Les Filles is this, like, weird part of Canadian history where the French government sent French women to Canada to okay. be, oh, yeah. like, okay. maids and wives of, of French settlers. And so this musical, it's trilingual. So it's in an Indigenous language, French and English. And Throughout it's the play? Throughout the play. And it wow. tells this powerful story of Catarie, a young Mohawk girl, and her brother, Jean-Baptiste, who, whose lives are disrupted upon the arrival of Les Filles du Roi in 1665. And they wind up forging an unlikely friendship with one of the young fee named Marie-Jeanne L'Esperance, whose dreams of a new life are more complicated than she ever could have imagined. So if you go to the Urban Inc. website, you can like watch the trailers 
for these musicals. Oh, that's so cool. um, they came out in seven, 2017 and 2018. Um, but I, I imagine, like, it seems like they were really successful musicals. I'd hope that they kind of get picked up by other theaters in Canada. And where did you say that they originated in? Like, where did they start? So Urban Inc. is based out of Vancouver. Um, based out of Vancouver. Okay. I think it's the, the Fugue Theater, F-U-G-U-E. They commissioned okay. the musicals. Uh, the primary writer of both, his name is, or her name, I can't tell, is Corey Payette. And then Julie McIsaac also helped with, um, or also produced Les Filles I don't know if she was involved with Children of God. Julie Payette. Uh, Ju- uh, Julie uh, McIsaac. Oh, and, okay. and then Corey Payette. Oh, okay. Because I was like, isn't Julie Payette the governor general who... <laughs> just just quit with their powers combined yeah it is they can be a governor general was the governor general who just resigned (laughs) they can be a shitty governor general (laughs) i was like whoa (laughs) the governor general was who knew she was so into arts but yeah it's like it's they seem really cool i recommend maybe we can we can post links somewhere so people can go watch the trailers but they seem really beautiful and well done and the costuming looks amazing so should we get into what we what we want to talk about today? Or have you got a minutes? Yes. Yes, let's do I it. I think you went first last week, so I should go first. I did. Okay. You go first. I'm going to go first because, so, you know, have you got a minute is very loosely defined as what we need to talk about. It's loose. We're loose ladies. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, thanks. Uh, my mom is definitely going <laughs> to listen to this episode. Just kidding. Just uh, just uh, just the format for this podcast is loose. <laughs> Hi, Catherine. Loose in you know, varying definitions of the word. Yeah. But a couple of years ago, in 2018, I was hired to work for the Sydney Architectural Conservation Society, and you were. I was, and I did research for them. Now, t- just as a context builder, where I am from, Sydney, Nova Scotia. I think is a little different than other parts of the Maritimes in the sense that it's not built up around fishing. As a mainlander, <laughs> I would agree. For good and bad Cape reasons. Breton is, Cape Breton is different. <laughs> it's just, I mean, it's almost like, it's almost like a different province. A little bit. We like to um, pretend it is. <laughs> I think, I think Cape Bretoners like to pretend it's a different province more than mainlanders would say that. Yeah. It's very much an internalized uh, identity process yeah (laughs) but regardless sydney in particular though like even compared to the rest of the island is pretty different because the rest of the island is very rural whereas sydney is the second largest kind of urban center urban very loosely if you live anywhere with actual cities you'll be like that's not a city um but (laughs) it was built up it's got like four hotels we do have a lot of hotels there's lots of tourism (laughs) it's a city um you know we got a main drag we have a mall a big ass fiddle. A real mall too, not just a strip mall. <laughs> no, it's a real mall. It's a real mall. <laughs> it's got a food court. I've been there. It is the strangest <laughs> assortment of foods. We have an like have an orange Julius, or we used to. We don't have an orange Julius anymore. That's a lie. There's like A and W in Subway, and like a few other sh- like small franchises. Anyways, not the point. Not the that's point. that's for another. Have you got a minute? Um, 
But Sydney was built up as a coal mining town originally. So rather than a lot of other places, and I think what people envision for the Maritimes, it's not built up around fishing. It's So it's a very like urban industrial center. And so all of our historic architecture is because of those industries. So the oldest yeah. houses in Sydney are all either mine owner houses so they're like these big manors mm-hmm. or they are company houses so these like rows of company houses that you'll find kind of smattered throughout all of like sydney and then the colliery towns that built off of sydney so like glace bay Waterford, sydney mines all of these towns and yeah. i was hired in 2018 as a student researcher to research this row of company houses called red brick row in sydney mines that's so cute. Red Brick Row. Red Brick Row. It's a great name. Great marketing. Yeah. And the reason that uh, Sydney Architectural Conservation Society, uh, SACS for short, um, the reason SACS was researching this house was because, one, it's very different from all of the other company houses in Sydney. So most company houses are made of wood. These ones happen to be made of red brick hence the name oh um ah, makes sense and because of that they were like these might be the oldest company houses brick company houses in canada so they're significant to like the surrounding area but also in a national sense they speak to you know and how the country was built in a lot of ways and, and how urban centers were settled to a niche group of people, I feel like that's very cool. Yeah, absolutely. Like, to architects, fascinating. <laughs> uh, yeah, fascinating stuff. Pers- yeah. Personally, I had never known so much about bricks in my life. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> writing this paper and trying to basically compiling all the evidence that suggests that they are as old as we said they were. Um, the proposed which is how old they're thinking 1840s is when they would have been built so they are some of the oldest buildings in kind of urban cape breton yeah yeah but the problem is that they've really fallen into disrepair so okay they're very much oh so people aren't living in them no so they were living in them until kind of like shockingly recently if you like that's the other thing is that you know housing there's a huge housing crisis in sydney but anyways yeah these units they're they're nowhere near like acceptable for somebody to be living in them um right but they're still standing and they they have this historic significance and they have this cultural significance to the community of sydney mines and then kind of sydney as a whole but particularly so that they have this initiative to try and redevelop the the units and then make it a cultural hub for the community so they would have like a cat an arts cafe and you could do live performances out of these units and it was going to be this really beautiful sweet plan it's right it's right across from the junior high so the junior high students like they had to board up some of the windows so the junior high students came and painted over the boarding so it still looked aesthetically pleasing and stuff oh like in a nice way not like graffiti not in graffiti no okay that's very nice (laughs) they were asked to um and they did a good job that's good But this past winter was really, really hard on the buildings. And so now it's in a state of they're almost certainly going to have to demolish them unless major funding is found. So 
my mom works with sax and she asked me if I would use my segment today to reach Aww. out to the listeners of Minute Women or whoever may be listening out there um, contacting the Sydney Architectural Conservation Society. Their website is called preservingsydney.com. Um, you can find contact information at the bottom of that website. And I don't know, it would mean a lot to me and my hometown if there was anyone out there who had either, you know, like financial support or plans or something to help them navigate yeah. this situation. Um, they've been working, it's, I mean, this project has been in the works for like over five years now. Um, and they've just hit this huge issue of the winter storms really derailing everything. So if anyone has time, even just to share this with people, you know, it would mean a lot to me. It would mean a lot to the SACS organization. So yeah, that is what I hope you have a minute for this week. But what do you have a minute for? What, do, what should I have a minute for, I guess? Oh, well, okay. So I had, I had an idea for what I was going to do our, my minute on this week. Um, but then we had this incredible uh, recording yesterday with Ooh. the ladies from Just Watch Me Pod, uh, Kate and Liv. And they are fantastic and hilarious and so darn educated. They are both, well, actually, they're both done law school. Mm-hmm. They're both lawyers now. And they are both lawyers now. Um, yes, congratulations, ladies. Uh, or gals, as uh, Liv would say. <laughs> Uh, which I didn't know yesterday, but I use the term gals all the time. And apparently it's a point of contention between the two of them. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Kate likes gals a lot less than Liv does. So I wanted to talk about something that we touched on yesterday that I found pretty cool, which is Canada's living tree doctrine. Ooh, Kate is going to be super excited that we're talking about this. And Liv is going to roll her eyes because she was yeah. so like self-conscious when they brought it up yesterday. Because yeah. Renee and I were like, this is super cool. And Liv was like, this is so boring. Yes, Liv was like, that's not interesting at all. <laughs> Don't tell them that. Uh, but I found it really interesting, and I think it's cool. So for anyone who doesn't know, the Living Tree Doctrine is a piece of uh, – it's a method of constitutional interpretation. So there are a lot of big words in this, so forgive me. Uh, I am not a lawyer. Uh, <laughs> I am just a humble Canadian. Uh, so there's a lot of kind of jargon in kind of the information that I found, but I did want to talk about it. So when I think of a constitution, you know, I didn't even really think that Canada's law was a constitution because you hear about that in America. You Mm -hmm. hear about in the States, you know, the constitution and how seriously it's taken and this document written hundreds of years ago um, with different laws like right to bear arms is taken so seriously to the letter even today after so much has changed in our world. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's interesting to know because I didn't that Canada's, you know, constitution has the ability to change and evolve over time while still acknowledging its original intentions. Um, and that sounds pretty basic. I mean, times change, as as we just talked about at the top of this uh, Have You Gone a Minute episode. A hundred years ago, there was no cure for type 1 diabetes. 
you know, it was a death sentence. You died. Mm -hmm. And now uh, people live and thrive and do everything uh, with type 1 diabetes. So uh, times have changed and and there's so much more growth that has happened in our country and continues to happen. And so this concept of the living tree is that there's predictability and flexibility in law. And so to be effective, the Constitution must consist of a predictable set of rules. So, you know, Canadians know how activities are governed and that, you know, you can't just kill somebody. Mm -hmm. That's not cool. Um, However, uh, you know, if things are being governed in a consistent manner, that's great. But flexible interpretation also needs to happen for the realities of changing modern life. Mm -hmm. The idea was that the Constitution needed to be able to be interpreted in this way or it would be frozen in time and become more obsolete than useful. Right. And the Canadian courts saw that as a huge issue. Um, so the biggest case that illustrates that balance um, of the predictability and flexibility that kind of embodies the living tree principle is Edwards versus Canada. Um, and so Edwards versus Canada, uh, as many people know, is known as the person's case. Mm-hmm. So you might not know it as Edwards versus Canada, but it's the person's case. And that was a decision by the highest court of the time in Canada, which was actually the Privy Council of Britain, (laughs) um, which wasn't in Canada. But anyway, that's how things worked. And that was the idea that women were to be considered persons, too. Mm -hmm. So originally it had been written so that, you know, person in any legal any legal uh reference in the constitution was just referring to men so including like only men could own property and only men could um you know have have their own personal kind of income or say in what happened with that property and and it didn't happen with women women just weren't considered you know they couldn't women couldn't vote women couldn't have a say uh well women could vote by that point so I think oh yeah women could vote by that. Yeah, I, I think it's really grounded in the idea that like persons the definition difference would be like persons have rights ha- have access to rights and privileges whereas women specifically right. they have access to penalties and and repairment. So you can right. you can say like I have suffered something. I've suffered a loss and therefore I am owed something, but you can't say that you can't do the things to prevent those things from happening in the first place. <laughs> right. Yes. And again, I'm not a lawyer, so I I apologize. But it's a but, but it's yes. a good point, yes. right? Like so you already was starting to see a trend towards like that verbiage being a huge gray area yes because like okay women can vote in certain jurisdictions or in certain provinces or in federal elections but they're still not considered persons it's it's like look how archaic our interpretation of the word persons is because it clearly isn't relevant to that society anymore right so it was decided at that time that the the Constitution had to be able to change and evolve mm-hmm. with the times and what was happening. And now I had asked the girls yesterday about something that I wasn't sure if they'd know about, but if the Living Tree Doctrine had had any kind of reference or 
importance in same sex marriage and same sex relationship kind of legal uh legal cases right like if it was evoked to defend lgbtq rights right and so what i did find is that it has and so there's a case uh, a reference which we also learned about with the girls <laughs> um means that it's more of a it's more of a question than a statement in the in the eyes of the law mm. and so it's asking um how how we can proceed forward on this so it was so same sex marriage was updated in the living tree concept so in 2004 this case was questioned um it was about the constitutional validity of same sex marriage so um, a chief justice, Justice McLaughlin, introduced another metaphor. So we have the living tree metaphor, and he stated the frozen concepts metaphor, which I would kind of touched on at the beginning of this. So he said that the Canadian constitutional interpretation um, is a living tree, which by way of progressive interpretation accommodates and addresses the realities of modern life. By allowing the term marriage to adapt or to grow with contemporary times, its meaning with legi- its meaning within legislation becomes modernized and subsequently includes the unions of same-sex couples. Right. So um, before that, you know, it, it was kind of like saying persons just automatically meant men. It right. was meant to mean men. And marriage was meant to mean the union between a man and a woman. Right, right. And so... Uh, the Constitution was, again, yes, evolved in 2004, and the language was used to update that um, that same-sex marriage is adequately deserves all of the rights and all of the privileges of, uh, of heterosexual relationships. That's so cool. Yeah, so it's a really interesting concept, something I had never, ever heard before, but it just makes so much sense. Yeah. And so... I just wanted to take a little time to kind of bring that to light, the the living tree doctrine and the concept of um, the concept of frozen, a uh, frozen in time uh, kind of law or mm-hmm. rule and how in Canada we're just so progressive <laughs> and we just evolve. We're trying. Uh, and we don't, we're, we try. <laughs> yeah. We're trying. And I think it's really cool to see uh, that growth and that evolvement at such a high level of the court. Yeah. Um, because if it's important there, like if it's important to like our Supreme Court, mm-hmm. like if it's important at that level, it's easier for laws to kind of trickle down and just and just obviously make sense at a at a lower level. Yeah. And yesterday when we were talking about it, we compared it to, you know, constitutional debates in america which is obviously very different but the thing that kept coming to mind for me was Mm. religion (laughs) let's get deep let's talk about god um yeah let's do it because in my so i grew up catholic and went to church every sunday it's interesting because we had uh quote unquote like a progressive priest uh for a catholic church um he was very open about criticizing the catholic church and some of its teachings and doctrines but something about something that he he said that always like stuck with me was that we have changed or at least in in his like perspective of course like it's only his perspective and and you i know that catholic church and a lot of religions have like impacted people in really 
damaging ways. And I'm not trying to disregard that. But yeah, in his perspective, he's like the root of a lot of that pain comes from the fact that we misuse a lot of religious texts in the sense that when it was written, it the teachings and within the Bible or, or Torah or whatever religious text you subscribe to in a lot of cases they were never meant to be written down like the bible was not something the bible the first written version of it was written centuries after you know the death of jesus christ for a long time it's just a verbal religion and so a lot of those stories they're meant to be metaphors they're meant to be things that evolve and change over time and the writing of the bible inhibits you from being allowed to do that yeah it's like it's not meant to be you're not supposed to subscribe to this text and follow it word by word it's meant to be a metaphor and it of course that makes sense because they're talking about things that are completely irrelevant to society two millennia later yeah so you know it's like the idea that you would subscribe to that word for word is absolutely bizarre and not necessarily the intention of those stories when they first were told they're not meant to be written down they're not meant to not change but exactly because of the idea that like god is flawless you as a human yeah. are not supposed to edit the Bible, quote unquote, even though that does happen because you translate and translate it and do all these other things with it. You know, the text isn't meant to be perfect, but because we have this interpretation that God is this omnipotent, flawless being, that the text, therefore, is also flawless and you cannot change it. Um, but anyways. Can I just say, this sounds like the most progressive Catholic priest I've ever heard of. He is super cool. He he was like, he's yeah. very much like, of course women should be priests. And like, uh, like he was very, like the big controversy. And the congregation gasps. <laughs> and he's just like, yeah, divorce should be okay. Like it's, yeah. it's very inhumane to suggest that, you know, like divorce from a partner is means that god doesn't love you anymore yeah like so for him he has a lot of perspectives of like those and and to be fair that's what makes you progressive for a priest (laughs) it's like i think women should have jobs um (laughs) but he's also i think people should be allowed to get divorced (laughs) he's he's very nice he's a very good priest um but that's good yeah it's just that i think comes up that idea of a living tree doctrine should be evoked yeah. not just when talking about constitutions but when for sure yeah like when we talk about anything like any set of rules that you make for your own life you should be prepared to deal with the fact that you're not gonna be the same person in five years no and i think the concept of written words and ideals being living mm-hmm. is so cool yeah like saying saying how i feel today in this moment is not how I will feel slash how I should feel in five years, 10 years, 30 years. Yeah. Like if I still feel, if I still feel the same way about everything that I have values on right now, there's a problem. Right. Like if my values and my understandings don't evolve over time, then I have, then that's, then that's a, like, that's a problem for me. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying everything. Like, I still feel like I'm not going to like mushrooms in 30 years. <laughs> I don't I'm know. not saying that I'm going to evolve that much. <laughs> I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not saying I'm going to change uh, about that. 
But yeah, I don't know. Like you look back, it, you look back as to something as seemingly silly as smoking. Mm-hmm. Fifty years ago, everybody Chill. smoked. Chill. Fifty years ago, twenty years ago, my mom talks about getting a job as a secretary at a high school, and you go in the staff room, and it's a cloud of smoke. <laughs> And like my mom's fifty, like she's not she's not a hundred and fifty. No. <laughs> like this was like her at twenty five, and that was like normal. Yeah, like that was just how it was. Like everybody, like like that was just, yeah, that was fine. She also typed on a typewriter. How far we have come. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, like things change, and people's ideals of what's acceptable and what is appropriate change too. And I I don't think that uh, we should in any in any kind of aspect of our life have to be steadfast to something if if we change yeah I think we feel a lot of change is good change is good yeah and I think we feel a lot of pressure to define who we are yeah and oh for sure the way that you do that is through allegiances to things and yeah I think that the biggest challenge that the pandemic particularly has placed in my mind but I think generally something that I've always been really bad at is being very present and like I'm a planner like I always look ahead I'm always thinking about what I have to do tomorrow or a year from now and am I going to be happy a year from now and am I going to am I doing all the right things today so I can be happy tomorrow versus just trying to be happy today and in a lot of respects that comes down to this feeling that everything you do today is then somehow going to be carved in stone and you are now responsible for all of the things you say and do and prescribe yeah and then have to own that and live up to that down the road which is this like weird unrealistic expectation that no a nobody has of you and b no one cares that much like no one is listening to you and saying like (laughs) It's like, remember that time Grace said that she really loved the Blue Jays? Seems like she's a freaking Braves fan now. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. bitch. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's so true. It's so true. And that is the standards. I think we're very similar in that way that we both have so much fear for meeting expectations that people have of us. Yeah. And I definitely feel like the world being in this state of of halt uh, with a global pandemic has really made me evaluate a lot of things in my life. I mean, this has probably been the most tumultuous year of my life. Yeah. But also like a year of such growth. And like I'm I've like found a lot of happiness in being able to not uh, focus so much on others expectations of me. Yeah. Except yours, of course. I want you to love me. <laughs> yeah, it's and it's it's hard when you like set this unrealistic expectation that other people have these expectations of you, which For sure. It's not your responsibility to never let someone down, I guess. Is yep. the thing that I'm trying to like come to terms with and yep. be okay with the fact that I'm going to make other people upset sometimes. with either my opinion I'm also a very stubborn person so it's it's very difficult for me to not like admit that I'm wrong but like admit that I've changed I guess 
in a, in a weird way. Like if I'm a Blue Jays fan and I said I was a Blue Jays fan, I need to have this like really sincere, well thought out reason for why I am no longer a Blue Jays fan instead of just being and like, I'm not. You don't. <laughs> and I don't because that's not what life is. Anyways, this got really deep. It got really deep, but I really like it. I'm digging it. I like it. I think that's why Have You Got a Minutes are a great a great new format for us. Yeah. <laughs> They're great. Thank you so much to all of you who listened to this week's episode of Have You Got a Minute. We hope that you're enjoying this new format because we really love recording it and providing it to all of you to listen to. If you want to check out our social media channels, which we hope you do and or are already following, they are at Instagram, Minute Women Podcast, and on Facebook at the same name. And then on Twitter, we are at The Minute Women. You can check us out there and also our website, which is www.minutewomenpodcast.ca. And it's recently updated, looking hella fresh, and we recommend that you go check it out. It also has a link to our merchandise, which is from Tee Public and looks super cool. So go check it out. And make sure you're subscribed to the podcast on whatever platform you listen to us on. We release new episodes every Wednesday, so you can look out for those. Download the episodes, rate and review the podcast if that's an option for you, and share the podcast with all of your friends. Word of mouth is the best review. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much to listen. Thanks so much to listening. To listen. Thanks for listening <laughs> to the show. Best Swedish now. Cut that. Cut that. <laughs> I'm a Swedish chef.